0: so many questions that they might not even fit in here <laughs> but uh i i am curious donald uh first of all what do you like to go by should i call you donald or donnie or don or something else
1: entirely um yeah donald usually uh, okay yeah so um, donald's fine yeah I, so, I, I never really picked up a uh, i never really picked up an abbreviation for it yeah. um although i think um uh you know there's quite a few going around donnie donnie is kind of a I will get called Donnie sometimes if I go to the Highlands with my cousins and so on,
2: because oh, uh, Donnie
1: is kind of a a, a a sort of a pervasive abbreviation for Donald in Highlands for some reason. Um, but yeah, no, Donald's fine.
0: Okay, so we've got a we've got a Scotsman here named Donald, and we've got an American named James. All we need is an Irishman, Irishman named uh, Sean, and we'll have all the all the most common names from our respective countries, <laughs> huh?
1: Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah
0: and it actually does occur to me that for my friends listening to this uh if, when they go to look up your work they might want to make sure that they're looking for donald wg lindsay because you're not the only Do- donald lindsay who exists in the small piping world
1: absolutely yes huh. so there's, there's wg um now i did when i was young release one album without the wg and then on discovering that I've gotten into the long grass, if you like, James, as you pointed out, there are more than there's more than one piping Donald Lindsay.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and uh, I don't know whether this is to do with the fact that uh, Donald is kind of one of the one of the uh, Lindsay names, if you like. It seems to be, but I, I don't know what this is what, what, what this is uh, as arisen from. Yeah. But uh, I, I very quickly decided that it would be easier to call myself using my middle initials because. Um, I think Ian Morrison's and John Morrison's and so on have this uh, have this problem uh, on the pipes and yeah, have had it for a long time. time. Yeah. And they, yeah, and they solve it either by, you know, if they enter competitions or whatever, um, using their town of origin or using middle initials. And um, so you see middle initials, pipers using middle initials here and there. And it's to do with this. And uh, I know that Donald F. Lindsay, who is the most famous, I think, piping Donald Lindsay. In the eastern United States. Uh, He was, I think he was the, was he not the first overseas competitor to win um, at least certain of the major prizes in Scotland? Um, And so some of his students have contacted me, um, and no doubt some of people looking for information about the Chantra have contacted him. So uh, I note that he's, yeah, he's gone on to using his middle initial as well, F. Uh, so, uh, may- yeah. and maybe so you drove donald him f- to f- it donald- to some degree huh <laughs> possibly yeah so yeah totally so there's donald f donald wg and i think probably other donalds as well uh yeah. donald lindsay's um and uh, yeah so um but yeah like i say that's the that, that's the the best way to find what i'm up to at the moment is to to stick with the wg yeah um because uh, it, it saves any confusion
0: yeah and and so so, when people are looking around for you, I know. So, the way that I came across you and your work was through the Lindsay System Chanter. And from there, I learned about the, yeah. the, the additional instruments you've worked on. And from there, I've learned about the recordings you've done. Um, what do you think that yeah, you're right. best known for? Is that is that the path most people come by to, to learn about you? Is they come to the Chanter and then find out more? Or do, do people find you other ways as well?
1: Yes. Well, until last year, I would have, if you'd asked me that in. September last year, I, was, I would have said undoubtedly the only thing that really um, has caused people to be widely aware of me in the piping world has been the Lindsay System Chanter um, and the work that I've done with that. But uh, from October last year, um, we released an album um, that I recorded before leaving Glasgow in 2019. Um, and it's a bit of a departure. It's, it's, it's an interesting one. Um it's uh, it's an experimental canambian uh, kind, of kind of if you're you know if you're into kind of Brian Eno or wherever you know the kind of territory we're coming from. Um, it's an album called The History of Sleep, and that's been all over the BBC um, in its own small way. Um, I think we got played on BBC three, BBC Radio 3, Radio 4, uh, radio uh, the World Service, Radio Scotland, uh, Radio Ulster was interviews on radio ulster and radio Four today program which is i think that's the second highest listened breakfast program in the uk so this was all a bit of a surprise we really didn't myself and my friend richard uh, who made the, the album with me that he's the one who's on guitar with, right uh, yeah he's playing the rickenbacker um so it's electric guitar and small pipes um and we apart from the we played Dorrington the dixon tune and apart from that and the rest of the album is um, fairly spontaneous improvisation between Richard and myself, uh, which is something that I, I've, I've had a long habit of doing this. Um, improvisation and, and uh, improvisation on the pipes um, of that sort has been something that I would say has been a, a core part of the process of developing the chanter. Um, and that was one of the reasons why I was so motivated to make it the first recording that um, that we would release. Mm. Uh, you know, where we're the first substantial recording that we would release featuring the new chanter, because uh, so we've got this strong element tradition there with um, uh, with uh, Dorrington, um, but this free improvisation, which, as I say, has been has been and continues to be a core part of the way that I've developed the instrument mm. um, alongside the traditional music. Um, now, having said that, um, the next thing uh, on my agenda, if you like, is to make an album of traditional uh, tunes. Um, and uh, I'm hoping um, that I'm going to be working with my friend Alistair Roberts, who's a traditional singer, fingerstyle guitarist, and doing that. Um, and that's going to be a, a, the other side, if you like. Um, you have the the improvisation there that essentially drives and explores the chanter. And then the traditional tunes the melodies um, jigs and reels and all the rest of it, that um, really it's reaching for, if you like, yeah. um, tunes that were out with the range until, the, um, until the, the, the design was settled.
0: Yeah, so now that's exciting to me. So when you talk about this new album with more traditional tunes on it, you're, you're speaking of traditional tunes yeah. that usually would not be within reach for a uh, highland pipe uh, or small pipe scale.
1: Yes, that's right.
0: So this is exciting and, and some, some of my friends who are listening might not be familiar with the Lindsay System chanter. So maybe maybe we take just a moment to talk about it. But I do want to say, Don, that this is, or excuse me, Donald, that this is this is really, if I had to sum up what I love about your work, it's exactly this. You, you focus in that on that album, uh, history of Sleep. Uh, you talk about that last tune, Dorrington, and you mentioned that, you know, this tune was played by the Allen Pipers, uh, you know, in the 1700s. This is an old traditional tune. Uh, but it's being yes, done in right. in this very new way. I, I love this. You know, I, I feel like you could have a person who maybe goes too far on one side who says, you know, uh, tradition is tradition. We ought never change it. The way the McCrimmons did it is perfect and it can never be better. You could have someone who goes the opposite direction who says, throw tradition out the window. I'm going to do something completely new. But when you bring the two together, yeah. I love that. I love this, this mix of the two, yeah. the futuristic and the, the established <laughs> historical.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's very powerful, and um, I think it's, it's very much, you know. Obviously, I've been away from home for a year and a half now, but it's very much kind of, uh, kind of. How would I say it? Sort of of the moment, if you like, of what's happening um, in Glasgow just now. With you know, not only within the the kind of trad the, the within trad circles, there is a very dynamic thing happening. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, um, there's uh, there's some musicians that I could recommend you check out uh, to kind of understand the context that I'm coming out of with, with both with history of sleep and also with uh, with this new album that we're planning just now um, and uh, you know I'm thinking some of your listeners may not be familiar with these artists. Um, so the first one obviously is Alistair Roberts. Uh, I don't know have you listened to alistair's Stuff James?
0: I'm not sure if I have, I, I try to watch some, some, you know, sort of trad scene videos on YouTube and stuff like that, but I'm not very well read in it, you know, so, so I may will not. Yeah,
1: have. no, that's what I'm thinking. The pipers generally, I, I know, because obviously being a piper uh, myself, we're a species unto ourself and we don't always, uh, we're not always plugged into to kind of wider trad music that firmly. Yeah. Um, but um yeah and I think that's that's kind of normal for Pipers I guess because we're, we're, we're into our own thing and we're we're, 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 we're into the pipes basically well and, and I could be um, wrong yeah, but I,
0: it might be even more exacerbated by being you know I'm way over in the on the west half of the United States and of course the the internet kind of bridges the Atlantic but you know not always entirely so we might be yep. even more isolated in that way
1: yeah and it all ends up because the internet's so stuffed with interesting stuff now it all ends up being about leads that you that you end up and so on and so forth. Yeah. And um, yeah, so basically, um, first of all, Alistair, um, A-L-A-S-D-A-I-R, so he spells his his name, Roberts. And Alistair's been active since now. We we had just left school, I, I think it was 1996 or thereabouts. Alistair picked up completely, you know, out of the blue, a record deal with a Chicago label, Drag City. Um, and he's been he's been recording since then. He's still with them, um, and alternating more or less albums of original um, folk songs with albums of traditional ballads and uh, old Scots songs and so on. Um, and so, and I've I, I've recorded on here and there on Alistair's albums um, on uh, instruments as diverse as the Hungarian bagpipes and the Ellen pipes and. You know, instruments, sometimes Alistair's quite experimental and sometimes it's just been an instrument that I've been experimenting with more or less. Mm. Um, but yeah, so we've been on and off doing stuff together since, since, since those early days. But I've very much been in the pipes sort of uh, zone and Alistair's been over in the kind of folk music um, uh, zone, which uh, um, even in you know even in, uh, in Scotland as well are kind of separate, separate uh, universes, separate bubbles really yeah. um, that overlap. That overlap for sure um yeah. but that are, that are to a large extent separate as well um and so that's that's one musician that uh, be well worth checking out to understand you mm. know where you know where, where this is all coming from and um now if you also look up bird ellen b-u-r-d-e-l-l-e-n that's debbie armor she's a fantastic singer um and some of the stuff she's been doing recently with the traditional song as well is very interesting um that's a start um, and Richard Youngs, who I played with as well. Check out Richard's stuff. Um, Richard has been recording since the 80s, I think. Um, he's from Cambridge, but he's been a very long time part of the Glasgow scene. Um, and Richard is um, just uncategorizable. Um, he's into everything. He, mm. he he's, has a go at everything and he's released about 140 albums so far. Uh, Some of them are just... uh, I I actually think the number is probably far higher than that because some of them are just albums that he sticks out on Bandcamp and and then get us on with the next thing. Um, But he's a very interesting character. And then also Paul Barron. uh, Paul, yeah, Paul, I spell as normal. so I'm sorry. I'm I'm spelling names out for you now when I don't need to. Uh, Ah, Paul Barron. (laughs) Barron, Yeah, B-A-R-A-N. Paul Barron, B-A-R-A-N. And uh, Paul, uh, his output's not been... Not been as prolific as Richard's, but uh, Paul, um, for a long time, has been a, a, a favourite guy of mine to, to improvise with, and we haven't recorded very much together. We have done a couple of tracks on an album that Paul's uh, working on just now, but um, we've done a lot of uh, spots in, in, in places in Glasgow, like the Old Hairdressers and the Glad Cafe and the Sharmanka Gallery. Um, now, I don't know, James, if you saw the article, the first article way back in January 2018 in Piping Today about the Chanter project when it was still the colored set. Oh, well,
0: I came across it after that article had come out. Um, I did see the article. Yeah, not, yeah. Not, not when it was current. I, you know, I was probably six or seven months after it had already come out.
1: Yeah, the, the, the pictures in that article, uh, which I think are brilliant, they're, they're taken by John Slavin. Who's the uh, features editor of Piping Today? When yeah, I love running. those
0: bright colors. Ah, so I think it's
1: Mothball just now. Oh yeah, it's great. And the the funny sculptures and everything there. That's the Charmanka Gallery. That's one of the venues when I'm when I'm home that we that we play in with you know with when when we're playing particularly when we're playing the kind of music that we've got a history of sleep. We're blending that kind of improvisation and yeah. um, and. Uh, and so on, it's it, that's a great place to play. And those those sculptures that you see in the photographs, they actually come to life. There's a guy, John Cavanaugh, who's a DJ on uh, Radio Six International, amongst many other things, um, which is a uh, which is a Glasgow independent radio. And uh, he's a curator at the Shomanko Gallery, and he'll sit in the booth in the Shomanko Gallery. It's a it's a, it's a load of mechanical sculptures made by a Russian sculptor. Oh, um, I see. For shame, I can't remember the guy's name now, um, but he's a brilliant sculptor, um, and these sculptures all come to life. Um, there's a kind of a control uh, room there where you can press any button, and they, and, and they all start to start to activate. So it's kind of kind of interesting. Do
2: they bring a environment to
1: play in? Yeah, and we yeah. play off it a little bit. Huh? Yeah, it's, it's crazy stuff. It's really fun.
0: No, I rem- um, I rem- so remember. That's, yeah, that's. Uh, I remember not too long ago you did um you were doing something with a uh, a chanter where you'd put like some optical sensors into it and uh,
1: was yes, it with,
0: with, with some absolutely of the same folks that you were doing those kinds of shows as well
1: It was yes, absolutely. and um, particularly with Paul um, that I was using that optical chanter. And that's something that I, it's it, it's something I really want to get back into that because I had that prototype working until we left to come here. Um, and then I left it at home because I thought the travel will probably destroy it. Oh, yeah. um, because it's a very fragile, it's, it's got it's all its wires on the outside and everything. Um, but it's one of the things I said to myself, I'll have the time to do when I'm out of here is to put together an integrated version of that optical chanter so that the wires run within the walls of the chanter, which sure, shouldn't no, be too difficult to no, do. No,
0: honestly, it looks kind of cool the way you had it, you know, with the wires all over.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. Probably, really probably a bit I more delicate, it. but it does look cool. Yeah, it does, and it's funny because when you know some of the playing that we've done with it has been with modular synth and so on, and it really does look at home in that kind of environment. It's like it a really does, yeah. It looks like a mini, yeah. It looks like a mini module with all the wee wires going everywhere. And I can actually, with the breadboard on the front, I can actually take a wire and I can put it, so I can put it to root it because I've got a, a little. It's just like a a little a little op amp chip, um, on that breadboard and so, so I can move a wire so that it goes through the amp, or it doesn't, and things like that. And I always thought I could, I, I could do a lot more with that. To, to, so yeah. I mean, it's, it is, it, it's, it, it's a thought, and it's quite possible that I might, for myself, I might just continue using one that has a breadboard there. Yeah. Maybe, maybe with a little cover over it, so that I can take the cover off to change the wire oh, yeah. or something like that. But no, it, it really does, really does uh, increase the, 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 the kind of um mm. it, it broadens your options it really does and, mm-hmm. and you know theoretically if you've got a breadboard there you can really just make up any sort of uh, amplification or even effects circuit uh, yeah. on that and uh, uh, and and uh, you know play with the output in that way um but yeah one of the things we were doing was running it through the um the modular as well which is really fun um, and i remember that was how in fact that i discovered that the first um Photo transistor I was using wasn't up to the job because I was uh, I was playing in the old hairdressers, which is a great venue in Glasgow for, for improv. Um, and the guy I was playing with, Luke Fowler, who's an artist, he's actually worth looking up himself. Um, Luke Fowler, he turned to me and he said during the sound check, he said, You know, I'm not getting very much above four kilohertz from this. Um, and uh, that was basically, I just hashed it together and taken it over for this gig. Um, and uh, so, I, you know, I was like, I knew it sounded a bit odd, but I said, "Is it? Is, is it just gated? You know, is it just? Is there just a ceiling of four kilohertz?" It's like, yeah. So mm-hmm. I went home and I and I read in more detail the spec of the photo transistor I was using, and I realised that although on paper um, it, uh, it it seemed like it was capable of picking up um, to 20 kilohertz, it was clearly, you know, um, it wasn't in practice uh, managing to be as fast as that. So I went and I looked and I found a, a phototransistor that was capable of picking up. Um, it was the only one I could find actually that was that fast, and uh, I forget what the, the rise and fall time was, but it was something. It's something really quite, quite nippy, and uh, I realised that um, I needed I needed to use a to use a component that was spec for a much a much higher frequency, um, and so I put that in and I found that I was getting getting it, it was picking up. Up to 20 kilohertz, probably beyond, mm. um, and that's the one I'm using now. Um, but like I say, I've left that prototype at home, so I've got more work to do there. But I've worked out how just before, shortly before we left home, I've worked out how to use optical, uh, an optical pickup in the drones as well. So um, oh, gotcha. it's uh, yeah, it's totally different. Um, the tongue on the drone needs to be needs to be reflective and flat, like on an Easy Drone or whatever, or, or um, you know any flat tongue drone. Uh, Mo- drone most read. synthetic drone reads, um, right? Yeah, yeah. Most synthetic drone reads will do it. I think a cane would probably a cane drone read might struggle, but I mean, I might be wrong about that. It might hey, just may- be a little bit quieter because of the. Or maybe a,
0: or you just paint it with some reflective nail polish or something. You know, paint the tongue. Maybe then that would do it. Huh?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you, even if you suck a bit of foil or something. Oh sure, yeah. Um, or, yeah, anything like that, then it would probably it would probably increase the um, increase its uh, reflectivity, and yeah. then it would. Couple of effort so yeah, it's fun to experiment with. But um, yeah, I would love to have an integrated set put together with, uh, you know, with optical chanters um, yeah. in various keys and so on, and uh, optical drones as well. A, a nice set of maybe six optical drones. These are these are some of the kind of daydreams that I have to work on just now. The next uh,
0: iterations of the dreaming pipes, huh? The, the dream goes on. Oh, totally, on yeah, it <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, it does, yeah, it, it definitely does. Um, tunable as well. That's the other thing that, that we're featuring about with at the moment. Um, and Zeshwan Chow, um, who I do quite a lot of work with now, has had quite a lot to to input into that uh, that that uh, avenue of investigation. Yeah. Um, so we're looking at tunability really from the point of view of having uh, a set of chanters together, and you can you can easily retune them to. You know, not so much. We're not thinking so much of different scales here, although that is possible. Just different uh, temperaments in Mm -hmm. order to uh, match them to different drone pitches. So, say you've got drones. Say your drones can do A, D, G, and so on. Uh, uh, If you've got your chanter perfectly tuned to A, then it won't match the D or the G properly. Mm -hmm. There'll be little inconsistencies, Um, and so. Um, We've been quite interested in the idea of making a chanter that you can easily uh, adjust um, yeah. to, uh, you know, try to match it to different drones. Yeah. Um, that's quite a, that's quite a challenge. It's, it's, some, it's something that's not going to be for every player, but it's uh, something I would like to have in my head yeah. box, certainly.
0: So now that yes. now this gives us some some orientation for sort of where you're coming from with your work, your recording work, your performance work. Um, maybe we maybe we do a little bit of orientation yeah. for you yourself as well. Right now you're you're out in the middle of the ocean, uh, but you're usually in Glasgow, yeah, totally. right? Yes, that's right. It was,
1: yeah, it, we were in Ascension funny. Island just
0: now. Yeah, so Ascension Island. The other it was funny the other day I was messaging you on Facebook. And I asked you how it was going. You said it was a nice thirty degrees out. And i said oh yeah it's 30 degrees oh, here yeah. as well but of course you were speaking celsius and i was speaking fahrenheit well i was i was freezing my butt <laughs> off out at a, out playing my pipes for a funeral you were uh spending the evening at the pool
1: exactly yeah <laughs> yeah sorry about that um i know it's, uh, yeah, you what's should what's apologize to
0: me absolutely yeah <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally um so yeah i'm in ascension island basically it's slap bang in the middle of the south atlantic quite near the equator Um, about roughly halfway between West Africa and Brazil. It's a pinhead of an island. It's about the size of Ben Bekula, um, although that would probably mean nothing to American listeners uh, unless they've been up there. Um, But, uh, yeah, it's a wee tiny place. It's got an airstrip. I think it is still the second longest airstrip in the world. Oh, really? It's being resurfaced. Yeah, it's being resurfaced currently by a Texan company. Um, The airstrip itself belongs to the U.S. Air Force. The taxiways and hard standing belong to the RAF, so they work out between themselves. And uh, there's a U.S. Air Force base, uh, which has our only burger and pizza bar really on the island. Um, Is that where you're hanging out now? No, I'm at the pub in the RAF base, where they do actually also do burgers. Yeah, they do do burgers and pizza here, although it's basically just burgers and pizza, whereas down at the U.S. base, they do burgers, pizza, all the different kind of curly fries and all stuff like that um so we were out there earlier with the kids for dinner um and then i came up here um and uh, have been chilling out here since um and i had a quick tune with the lbps earlier this evening um on uh, uh, zoom as well um which was really fun um but yeah the so there's that so there's the two bases and on the south side of the island really it's the two bases um and it's kind of a lot of simple people and then on the nor- north side of the island just over the hill, basically um, five minutes away. It's the two villages where uh, the civilian population live. Um, and have you have you affected
0: it, the uh, have you affected the economy of the place such yet that uh, the main export has become three D printed bagpipes, or is there something else still happening there? <laughs>
1: um, well, the thing is, like a lot of these little islands uh, and mini states, uh, the main export I think is stamps from the post office. Yeah, which and, um, made me laugh
2: think,
0: the first time I read that. Then I thought, well, yeah, actually, that makes sense.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, and um, basically, uh, I, I got I got I, I, I now when I started uh, making pipes again in July or August, I got a sudden inrush of orders from my waiting list, yeah. um, and so uh, I declared for just for fun in the local paper. I said, I think I probably, uh, I'm the major. You know, this month I'm probably the main export of Central Island now, yeah. um, and I got a sort of a I got a sort of a grin from the ladies in the post office when I went in to see them after that. Have yeah. you seen it? Um, and I think I'm probably safe in saying that at least for July, I probably was the main export. Uh, but I've probably got wonderful. a ways to go if I'm to overtake the if I'm to overtake the post office ladies. I've probably got to work a little bit harder. Um, well, let's get we'll get some orders think, in there then. <laughs> yeah, do I think I'm, I'm probably uh, I've probably got a way to go because um, you know uh, these. Uh, This is the thing. uh, What what is it they call philatelists? Stamp collectors.
0: Oh, yeah. Still quite
1: a big thing, I think. Yeah. Um, They apparently, when they print a new run of stamps, um, then uh, AIG, which is Essential Island Government, call a lot of their staff in from all kinds of other, you know, um, ostensibly important roles to go to the post office and help to pack up the stamps.
0: Because that's just—it's a big day, huh?
1: Yeah, that's, that's, yeah exactly, that's the main huh. event, that's the main event, um, so, but it's slightly, actually funnily enough, when we came here, it was just as sleepy as that would suggest, but now that they've started resurfacing the runway, there's a little bit more action on the island oh, yeah. um, in terms of uh, new big boats arriving more frequently, and uh, there's about 200 workers arrived to, to do that job as well, uh, mostly from Turkey. Um, so yeah, it's, I mean it's 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 busier than we knew it uh, when now, we first arrived. When, and when and when you um, first yeah. when you
0: first did go when you first did go there to a, and I apologize, Donald, if uh, if it seems like I'm interrupting you, I'm certainly not meaning to. We're just so far apart that the delayed no, no. audio throws it off a bit. <laughs> Um, yeah, but no when, when you first went out there did you plan to keep making chanters and pipes or is that something you decided to start up again because of COVID you had to extend your stay out there with the COVID-19
1: <laughs> um, no it, it was neither really um, I, I didn't I didn't really plan to make them uh, but I had the possibility open in my mind that I might um, and I thought let's let's go out there and see what the lie of the land is is and you know i'll freely admit i really i really did fancy even just the tag of of, of being the most remote pipe maker in the world i thought if i can make uh, a couple yeah. of sets out here that'll be, be hilarious you know yeah. um out in the middle of the south atlantic um things take three months sometimes to get here by post um and yet i'm going to manage to make some sets and get them out to my customers Ho- hopefully reasonably close to the within the time frame I said I would although that's working out quite tricky just now with COVID and Brexit because most right, of our post yeah, here yeah. goes through the UK so yeah. we are I think I'm going to be a couple of months late with the, with the, the round of orders I'm working on just now unfortunately but um, that's just because of the because of the state of the world really rather than anything else and, um, and, let's, and it is actually oh sorry go ahead it is actually quite no that's fine. It, it is theoretically you know if we didn't have COVID and Brexit at the same time theoretically it would be quite feasible to to be doing this from out here yeah. um, and I, I would easily be able to at least match the kind of delivery times and you know list times that, that most uh, small pipe makers have mm. uh, unless I got as busy as they did in which case I'd be totally screwed and it would take ages. Uh,
0: yeah well <laughs> but, that's, uh, that's true yeah. some of them have waiting lists that are probably longer than they have on this earth at this point.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. Now, thankfully, um, I think when I opened the waiting list again, I think it was only about a quarter of the waiting list that took me up, um, because obviously I'm out at the ends of the earth. And I kind of thought to myself, I wonder if anybody will dare place an order while I'm out here, you know, mm. um, being so far away from civilization. But yeah, yeah but, you no, know, there was quite a few brave souls that did do it.
0: Well, it could be uh, cool to have well, that Ascension think... stamp on it, you know, there'll be a limited edition, well, that's you said, know?
1: yeah. Well, that's what I've done. Yeah, I thought it'd be a good idea to give, you know, just to give a bit of recognition to the fact that they they took the plunge like that. So I designed the stamp, and it is a wide awake, which is one of the characteristic endemic birds of there. Well, it's, I think it's, uh, I don't think it's endemic the wide awake because it's a sooty tern. You do get them elsewhere as well, mm. but um, it's one of the one of the birds that the is known for. Um, and so I've got this outline of a wide awake, and then behind it. I've got the zigzag. Now, this is a crazy, crazy story, but it's kind of fun. Um, the zigzag is roughly the outline of the main hill in the middle of the island, Sister's Peak, the yeah. second tallest one. Um, but it is also, um, it is, it's actually a plot of the pictures of one of the vocalisations of the Wide awake. is that in the first six months or so that we were here, myself and my eldest son, Ryle we um, were messing about recording the Wide Awakes and then sending them back to Richard in Glasgow. And he was slowing them down on the reel to reel. And then we were getting these recordings back and we were trying to identify you know, a melodic line from these uh, calls. Mm. And actually it turned out to be very easy to do. So we got these bars of music, basically, um, under different time signatures, different keys, mostly fit on the heights. Um, that are the calls that the wide awakes are using. And we think they're the calls that they're using to coordinate when they're flying, is they fly almost in formation, uh, thousands of them. Um, And the most common call that we found, which came up with slightly different intervals but the same outline is this call that kind of goes da, 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 like that hmm. um, it's like like that when the, when the bird sings it, it's more like that what i just did with my voice but when you when you when you kind of reduce it to pitches and, and, and play it on an instrument that's how it comes out um and, and so i said to Ralph, try, try it and, and even before we'd actually isolated that when we first got the recording back he's got quite a good ear um, and when we first got the recording back, and it was just the raw recording, um, I said to him, "Try sketching that out and see if you can make a kind of graphical um, sketch of what you're hearing there." And he came up with all these little uh, lines um, all, all over the the, the kind of uh, piece of paper yeah. um, that were all the different bird calls he could hear in the flock. And he said, and he looked at it and he said, that, "You know, a lot of them have this similar pattern." He said, and it looks when I draw it a little bit like Sisters Peak, which is this mountain yeah and i was like you know what it does file, um, and then so when we when we got the slowed down recordings back and then we um worked out the pitches um and then we plotted it and the same pattern came out that he that he'd been uh, scribbling by ear and i was like you've done a good job there that. That great. Uh, yeah, I mean, good that's great yeah good on him that's that's amazing yeah totally yeah the the, 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 pitch, the kind of contours of the pitch He'd, he'd gotten them by ear, and then, and but it took taking it down two octaves, um, and uh, slowing it down. So it was quarter speed that Richard put it to on the reel real um before we could actually really hear that right in our face because it is quite a high pitched bird. Um, and so that was really fun. That was really interesting as well. Yeah, um, it's really cool. So I mean, I, can I you thought...
0: can you imagine a a, a bird indigenous to uh, to you know uh, oh maybe. Uh... I don't know, Kenya or something, sing singing a tune that if you plotted it would look like Kilimanjaro or something like that. You know, that, that idea of a yeah, bird exactly. mimicking its landscape in some way. That's beautiful.
1: Yeah, it's really cool. Um, so, yes, yeah, so, we, we, so I started that on the counter because I thought it looked nice, but um, it's also this motif that we're, we're, we're messing about with. and We're trying to work out, um, uh, we've got quite a few other ones. We've got about seven discrete ones that we got from the first round of recording. Um, and Riles, uh, my son, is working with those in, uh, in Fruit Loops at his FL studio he uses um, and uh, he's got loads of recordings of me playing these bars, single, repeated bars on the pipes I don't know what he's going to do with it but he's, he's going to have some fun with it anyway yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's, it's crazy Now, what, part of what gave us the idea to go and investigate the birds like that was in Scotland's Music, which is the book by, uh, by John Purser, um, about uh, basically giving the history of music in Scotland from, from the day one to the present day. Um, and he talks early on in that and in the radio series. He did a BBC radio series that, that accompanied it. Um, and John, uh, early on, focuses on the role of birdsong yeah, in the yeah. early development of music. And uh, particularly picks out the Pililu which is the Keening song, uh, which is based on the call of the red shank. And when mm. you hear the, it's, it, it's wonderful when you hear the red shank, um, uh, and it, it's, its call is basically pililu, pililu, like that. So there's yeah. a semitone drop at the end of that. Um, and that's, uh, that's in the tune expanded into the it goes, mm. like that, um, which is the, the keening, one of the keening tunes um, that they think uh, used to be sung around the grave. Um, and it's to do with the fact that the red shank uh, is a wader uh, on the shoreline. And so as an intermediary between uh, the dry land and the sea, and, and, and an intermediary between the, the, the land of living and the land of the dead, um, but it was uh, it's so interesting that that tune had been expanded in that way from this little nugget of a bird call which isn't in itself you know the most melodic bird call you could ever hear yeah but it's got it's got essential characteristics in its its rhythm and its melody that um, have been expanded into this beautiful tune So we that's that was what set us thinking maybe we should check out some of these. Birds on the island here, and see what they see what they're saying. Um, because uh, you know, it struck us that really, there's not been uh, any music written for the place here ever. Yeah, uh, yeah, not, not at all. But I mean, it's a transient place. Uh, I remember the, the doctor here said recently said, "Yes, it's like a bus stop." Donald. He's mm. from South Africa. The yeah. um, uh, people come here and they work um and uh, you know it's uh you've got to have a, a an active contract to be on the island really or be in the family of somebody who does so mm. it's, it's an it's an odd place in world terms in that way uh um, well, that's but, what, what a cool uh, thing
0: for you and your son to have thought to do I, I i i remember coming across some uh some pieces of classical music that were supposed to have been inspired by birdsong particularly in the uk when i was in high school taking some uh, some music theory classes i know Haydn and Beethoven yeah. took some cues from from local birds and things like that. Uh, what 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 a cool yeah. idea to to kind of look around right where you are and see what you could pull from that. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, exactly. And seabirds, you know, they're never they they're, they're never as elaborate as uh, songbirds mm-hmm. in their calls. But if you if you if you take it, if you take the view that it's a kind of a a, a seed of a composition,
2: yeah.
1: um, particularly the wider waves. But also one of the other two, ter- one of the other two or three species of terns that are on the island. Um, you know, there, there's, there's, there's 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 something in there that could spring um, a really interesting tune, yeah, um, or two. And I think with the wide awakes, there's a fair handful of different calls. Because all the calls we've got, we realized just now, are calls that they make, vocalisations that they make when they are doing uh, when they're nesting, and they do this. Uh, kind of loose formation that they used to try to scare off walkers who come into the nesting site mm-hmm. um, and uh, it was the last time we were there I heard before they got started with that I heard a group of them over near the rocks that weren't paying any attention to us and I recognized because we'd done so much listening to what they were what they were vocalizing I recognized right away that these weren't vocalizations I'd heard before um, but when what we did record it's when you walk through the nesting site, Um, they take to the air all at once, Um, a large number of them take to the air and they fly. Now ascensions, uh, it's in the path of the trade winds in the South Atlantic. So it's always got this breeze blowing the same direction. Um, And always, every time we've been down there, what they do is they go to the the, um, lee side of the trade wind, uh, uh, the, the lee side of you, and they fly into the wind, and hover over your head and they make all this noise. And they do this, not, not in strict formation, but in some sort of a formation and coordination. Um, and the only change to it is when you get near to a nest of one of them, then it starts making a much more aggressive call and coming in close to you. Um, mm. But for most of the time that you're walking, you've got this quite intimidating flock. That must oh, be yeah. thousands Just hovering right
0: above you, <laughs> as if they're hovering. ready to yeah, the <laughs> on <won't turn> you.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. They'll come down. And they, they deliberately make kind of slightly threatening, swooping motions towards you. Um, have you, have you sat down and
0: making, did you sit down and watch the, the Alfred Hitchcock film with your with your kids to get get a little, exactly a little caution I, yeah, into them?
1: <laughs> totally, exactly. It's it's it, it, it's very it's it's kind of uh, reminiscent of that. If you've watched that, then it does it's guaranteed to give you the willies yeah. uh, when all the thousands of birds are flying over your head. Um, but yeah, so that's and that's what they're doing, and then they're making these. Uh, which are fairly high-pitched, fairly musical um, vocalizations, and you can hear the, the the same message, if you like, being passed along different kind of veins within this big flock. Um, mm-hmm. It's really interesting. It's you know I'm hoping to go down and, and see them again soon. When they, I'm thinking they get started nesting again within the next couple of months. Um, I'm going to be down there again listening to them. I find having looked so closely, if, if you get that closely into uh, you know, into something it just can it can become a uh, a kind of a consuming fascination.
0: Oh, I can understand that. You kind of start uh, to find that there's just there's there are endless layers of depth that like you think you've figured it out, and then it's like wait, there's another layer here, and you go deeper and deeper.
1: Yeah, and you're like, you really yeah, opening absolutely. up my imagination
0: and, uh, to to early music and how much it would have been inspired by by nature and maybe particularly by birdsong.
1: Yeah, totally. Well, there was this thing as well, wasn't there, that um, some traveller, and I, I'm terrible, I can't remember anything about this except I just have this kind of, um, this after image of the story in my head. Um, but it's, somebody would know who this was. There was a traveller that went to St Kilda at some point in the 19th century um, and said that one of the things that the local piper specialised in was imitating seabird songs. Oh.
2: Um,
1: which they, they seem to think, I think the, the quote I remember was something about the people considering this great music, which the way that they wrote it, it was clear they didn't, but I was thinking to myself, I, I, I don't know, I think you know, I would have liked to hear that, yeah. Because if you're living out, out there, I mean, St. Kilda, very remote as well, um, surrounded by seabirds, um, and uh, he's using his pipes to respond to them,
0: you know. Um, I, I also have this vague, this vague association between something special about the pipes in St. Kilda and a mouse, maybe? Some sort of story I heard at some
1: point? Right, I don't know that one. Huh. What, what, what was the, I, well, the, I don't think I would have thought of it if you hadn't story? mentioned it.
0: No, but I'm going to have to start looking yeah. around now, because I, I it's like you've dug it up out of my mind. I hadn't thought of it for years.
1: Yeah, I'm going to look up that St. Kilda story as well and see if, I can, uh, see if I can find out what the detail was But um I'm pretty sure there'll be probably pipers listening who'll know um, because I'm pretty sure it was in the piping times or something like that yeah um, but yeah, I'm gonna have a dig because it was very it was just the way that um, that stuck out to me the way that um, the way that they described the local piper imitating seabird calls using his pipes mm, yeah um, which if you're surrounded by them all day, I would have thought you know uh, I mean, my suspicion would would be that he was probably trying to do. Trying to get fairly close to the sound of the seabirds. but yeah. not just doing kind of a, a joke thing or anything like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. hey,
0: maybe give me tell me while you've been there, have you been manufacturing chanters only, or are you making full sets of pipes?
1: I'm making one full set of pipes. Yeah, and it's going to be it's going to be pretty deluxe, um, because I'm, I'm I'm really quite you know I have this way you know. I, I, I tend to think, you know, um, particularly in being out here, somebody's gone to the, you know, they've they've, they've had the courage to to to, um, to place their order for a set of pipes from 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 the ends of the earth. So uh, I'm yeah. going to make it something pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's, so it's going to have um, hopefully this tunable chanter. Yeah. Um, and it's going to have a adjustable. Drone stock. Um, mm-hmm. Two things that I've, I've been working on that I think are quite important about the drone stock. Um, obviously, the size of the cavity is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, one thing I've, I've been wanting to do to the drone stock for a while is make a flow control going into the, the drone stock because it seems to me, and I might be totally wrong about this, but um, some rough experiments I've tried have yielded promising and very interesting results. It's this whole thing about uh, mode locking. Oh, um, yeah, yeah I've read right about I this. Think, yeah, one thing I think you could do to try to encourage that or, or, or some other form of beneficial resonant kind of support for the drones is to, you know, regarding the, the inside of the drone stock as a Helmholtz resonator. Um, if, you, if you have. know easily adjustable and easily adjustable flow control going into that then that's your control of the resonance port of the resonator I'm thinking and I've tried doing this without actually without actually having a without actually having a control I've tried varying the aperture um, because the the aperture from my drone stock into the bag is quite narrow and Mm. I've tried varying the aperture just by using brass tubes and so on and sleeving it Um, and uh, it does have quite a pronounced effect on the, the stability and the sound of the drones. So
0: so where some manufacturers would have a simple switch that's basically just on and off, you're thinking more a dial yeah. where you could you could say I want a little more air or a little less air.
1: Yeah, it's got two dials. One of them is has got a steeply pitched screw thread that's designed to open and close with a quarter turn. Mm. Um, so that's your on off. And uh, the other one has a, a more shallow pitch screw thread, which is designed for gradual control. Mm-hmm. And that's designed to be your flow control going into the, the stock. So there's the two controls there. Um, and then there's also a means by which um, you can immediately shut the drones on and off. I'll not say anything about that for now, though, because that's quite an interesting one. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll wait until I finish designing it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So there's there's these uh, basically dials on top of the drone stop, um, right next to the bag. Um, one of which is a quarter turn uh, twist uh, valve, if you like, just to turn it on and off, and the other of which is for gradual adjustment to try to uh, to try to fine tune the flow into the stop. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, yes, yeah, so that's some of the cool stuff. Yeah, so there is somebody, and then the rest of them are chanters. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, and, and, and again, some, uh,
0: some of my friends listening to this, Don Donald might might not know a thing about the chanter, and this is this is how I I found you, is the Lindsay System chanter. Yes. Which what version are you on yeah. right now? Are you working on with version three or are we at version four?
1: five I've jumped to really? like wow. yeah if i get this tuning system so this is to make every hole tunable yeah uh, if i get the tuning system together in time for this round which really um, you know that's uh, that's something i've got to get settled uh, very soon uh, yeah if i get it together then that's version 5 if not without the tuning system um uh, just a tunable fleahole. Uh, so I'll explain the design of the chanter. Yeah, talk to uh, me about it. Four. And
0: people. at some point, maybe yeah. right about here, I'll put in a recording of you playing it so people can get an idea of just how exciting this is. Just what this what the, what possibilities Great. this opens up to a to a pipe player who only has played, you know, Highland piping or, or Scottish small pipe uh fingering.
1: Yeah. Basically here's a, here's a brief uh description of the what the Lindsay system chanter is. The Lindsay system chanter is a Scottish small pipe chanter in the key of A. And if you can play the Highland bagpipes and or the Scottish small pipes or the lowland pipes, then you can lift the Lindsay system chanter, plug it into pipes and play it right away. Um, And it plays just the same as the Scottish small pipe chanter in A. Um, There's some slight differences in feel because there's very slight differences in the shape of the chanter, but the layout of the holes and the techniques that you would use are all the same. The difference is that Lindsay system transfer can go down below low G to a low D and up above high A to a high D at the least. And it can actually go almost not say further than that if you learn the te- the technique, which is a little trickier for that.
0: That's the uh, how did you describe um, it? The uh, the unbridled uh, key or the the yeah, the the, yeah, the wild range totally up like above. That. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. That is the, um, and I even gave, it a, I gave a kind of colorful picture name for it in one of the Piping Today articles as well, called it the, the kind of dew pond, which is based on the highest walk on the highest mountain here, um, which is through a bamboo thicket on a very narrow path of steps. Mm. Um, so you're very restricted. You can only go in one direction, back or forward. Um, and you have, to, you have to cover these very long steps with your legs. Uh, it's, it's a kind of obscure reference because it will only make sense to people who've actually been up the DuPont walk, which will mm-hmm. be very few people. but it was it was a way of kind of uh, um, just creating a, a, a picture that hopefully will cause people to pipers near who are trying to get the hang of the chancer to kind of think about the, the nature of that part of the range. Mm-hmm. It's very tricky to use. Once you're up there above the top of the second octave, then you have to move in a particular stepwise way. Um, but within the two octaves, it's free, pretty free, uh, Yeah, it and really can be great.
0: Just to make this absolutely clear yeah. to the listener, you've got your standard range from high A down to low G. This system allows you to yeah. then go down below low G to F sharp and even lower to E and even lower to D and up above your high A, yes. you can go up to B, up to C sharp, up to D and even higher. And not only that, throughout the standard range, yep. you've also got accidentals that are possible. These semitones.
1: Yeah, exactly. Totally, and the accidentals that you can get in standard range are the same as you would get on a border pipe chanter, but the fingering is different for those. um, Right, but but you've you've managed to do this with no
0: keys. There are no keys at all on the chanter, so you can play, like you say. you can play your normal tunes with normal fingering, and then you just kind of learn a couple extra fingerings for these other notes.
1: Yep, totally, exactly. So basically, you can play it right away. Uh, You can play all your familiar stuff. And the first things to learn are high g sorry high b sorry Mm -hmm. and low f sharp and then you learn the new notes incrementally from there adding low e low d high c sharp high d and then you learn the semitones And so basically, you've got this two octave range and you've got your two octaves in D, basically. Same range as an pipe or a low whistle or whistle. Uh, You've got the C natural there, which you get on those instruments. You've got a G sharp at the top, um, just uh, before your high A. You've got an F natural. um, And you've even got a B flat and a D sharp, which um, are useful for one or two tunes themselves. And the B flat and the C natural allows you to play uh, Ross Ainsley's tune "Dirty D," for example, uh, yeah. um, which is a, a bit of a favourite now, and uh, you know a, a great border pipe tune. So you can play anything the border pipes in A could play. Um, you can play anything that, frankly, you know anything the oboe pipes could play. You can play um, anything a whistle can play. Um, it'll all come out a little differently on this pipe, and there's a bit of technique to be learned to make the full use of its range. Yeah, but uh, that can be learned at, at the player's own pace because, as I say, the core range will support you to play as if you're just playing an ordinary small pipe egg without having any additional technique at all.
0: Right, uh, and and you don't in any way sort of just sell a chanter and then say it's up to you to learn the rest. You've got you you have this whole community building up with uh, on Facebook and otherwise, exactly. where you you played through tunes with people. You've got instructional videos. It's a whole system.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what it's all about for me. Uh, um, and uh, there's, a, there's a group on Facebook and I, I go on to there as time allows I've been absent from it for a couple of months while the kids, kids are on their school holidays I'll uh, be sure. back on again soon uh, sharing tunes and stuff um, and it's uh, it, it's great and th- this is what it's all about for me at the end of the day is the music and uh, getting this new chanter uh, going and finding out how best to play it what fits best the repertoire just a community of players around it it's, a, it's an open source design, so anybody's welcome to make it. Um, and that's important for me because I don't actually want to end up being sort of stout out with orders as a pipe maker. Mm. I would rather make one or two, um, you know, and, and share one or two of them. And at the same time, there are other makers. Zeshuan Chow also makes them 3D printed uh, to his own design uh, in London. And those are good as far as I can tell. I, I haven't played any of Seshwan's recent work because I've been yeah. over here but um, it sounds good. Um, and Malin Lewis in the Isle of Skye is making them out of wood by hand.
0: Oh, um, really? I, did, I um, didn't know again, anyone was doing that.
1: Yep, yeah, Malin Lewis. Now, Malin, uh, Malin is a very interesting young piper who is, I think, entering their second year, third year at the RCS. Um, they contacted me in, I think it was January 2018, around about the time the first article came out. We met at the piping centre. And once I realized that Malin was a pipe maker, I said, would you like to make this design? And, and they were like, yes, absolutely. And they were in sixth year at school at the time uh, in the Plockton Music Unit in, uh, in the Highlands, um, uh, which is a specialist traditional music school. Um, and I went out for a visit one time when I was going to see my friend John Purser, who was mentioned before, who wrote the Scotland's music. I was going to stay with John for a weekend in Sky, in, uh, where he stays, so away out in uh, Elgall. Um, And on the way, I called in on uh, Malin uh, and went to, I was able to go to Malin's sixth year, which is the last year of secondary school uh, or high school, as you guys would say. So their their high school show basically in this specialist music unit um, and then go over to their home in Skebus Bridge, which is right on the north of Skye, where they were working on a prototype wooden version of the Chanter. Mm. Uh, since then, Malin came down uh, to study at the RCS in the traditional music degree. Um, and the, the, the week after we arrived here, uh, yeah. it was piping live back home. And Malin did the Wednesday night LBPS concert, sold it out for a show called Two Octaves with Jarlath Henderson on Illin pipes, okay. where they went head to head. Oh, it was brilliant. Uh, they went head to head with Malin's iteration of the Lindsay system chanter and Jarla Zillin pipes. Really. It was such a success. Oh, it was amazing. And I, I think they should do an album of this, but I, I don't know whether, obviously they probably need to wait until they can meet again. Um, but, um, it ended up at Celtic connections, 2020,
2: yeah.
1: um, and sold out before Christmas for Celtic connections, 2020. Um, Ali Hutton was playing guitar. Um, Jarlath on the Illin Pipes, Malin on the Lindsay system, um, and this is just an example of what it's all about for me. It's 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 it, 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 it's going to have a life of its own. This chanter, um, yeah. I build them. Um, I'll do crazy stuff with them, like put optical pickups into them and make them fully tunable. Malin makes them by hand out of you know ebony or blackwood or whatever uh, boxwood as well. I think they've they've done boxwood. Uh, um, and the original was made out of laburnum, which which pleased me no end because laburnum, as you probably know, is the is the sort of original wood of the Highland pipes. Mm. Um, and for the first prototype of a wooden Lindsay sitting chantry to be made in laburnum was something that I nerded out on. Um, there's there's another one of those there.
0: those beautiful interweavings of tradition with modern uh, innovation, huh?
1: Absolutely, yep yeah. yeah. uh, An originally three D printed design. Uh, reverse-engineered into wood on the most basic setup, really, that you can imagine, um, short of actually going back to a bowl lathe. I mean, Malin literally had a tiny little shed in uh, the parents' garden in, in Skye with a hand-turning lathe and just a couple of chisels and nothing else. Wow. Um, and that's where this was made. Yeah, it was made made in there. Of two, two quails, a pair of nesting quails in a cage. Um, <laughs> it was really really cool um little tiny little workshop and uh, that's where this was done and it was done in uh, laburnum and it worked beautifully and played the two of them together at the time it would be the version three i think it wasn't even 3.5 um and it was the first one that i'd made of version three i'm pretty sure because that was a set that i took up to sky and uh, road tested just to check it was working well and then i sent it to a guy in germany um And it was, and we sounded the two of them together and they sounded, it sounded like match chanters. It was great. Mm. Um, And all the sizes I'd sent up to Malin via messenger um, over the months from about March to uh, May. And then, uh, then went up there in June. um, And it was, uh, it was awesome. It was a heat wave. And uh, it was very memorable Mm. um, to sing, playing and the, in the sitting room in Sky with these two pipes, um, you know, totally differently manufactured but to the same pattern. Um, well, ag- and again, so- even
0: just being on 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 the Sky, you know, to, to to play it once again, I just feel like, well, what a place, what a place of sort of bagpiping history, you know, and to be sitting there yeah, exactly. on that island playing, you're playing what, your playing what- your chanter, that's awesome.
1: Exactly, and what a place to then become part of it. It becomes part of the story as well. Yeah. That um, it then that it then has a, you know, it's got a chapter in the story in Sky, um, and yeah, I mean, it's just so many different things to it. Um, it's, uh, it's it's good to. I really enjoy just telling the story of all this stuff. Uh, well, because I, it's been such a a, a winding journey,
0: and, and it's um, very exciting for yeah. me. I'll, I'll tell you when I. When I came across your work in the, in the you know, with the three D printed chanter, but I also found that you'd done these whistles, the, you know, the bass whistle and the standard whistle, and and that you are making so much of this so readily available to everyone. That's one of the things that blew yeah. my mind and kind of made me go, now this guy, I'm gonna, I want to know what this guy's up to, you know, because I can imagine the argument, you know, that some might make to say, oh, you designed it. Now you keep it under lock and key. It's your thing, you know. But I'm curious. Do you think that would the would would it have achieved the popularity that it has now? Would would it have been innovated quite so far as it has now if you'd tried to hide it away?
1: I'm almost certain that it wouldn't have. Yeah, Uh, I think, for example, I don't think there would have been any uh, two octaves with Malin and Jarlath, and I think Mm. that's been a big thing back home uh, in terms of introducing the scene to this this instrument. so I don't think there would have been any of that, and I certainly I think I think a lot of it would not be at the stage it's at now in terms of awareness and acceptance. Um, and here's the thing, uh, James. What made me do that was a hunch that I had based on what I understood to be the history of the Illen pipes and the Northumbrian pipes and the Brian Boru pipes. And I had this vague idea that you'd had this development beginning in the 1700s towards through pastoral pipes, union pipes, towards the illim the pipes yeah. that had been done uh, by this dispersed group of pipe makers working in, as I understand it, Edinburgh, Newcastle, Dublin, London, and then laterally in New York and other places. Mm. Um, and that this essentially was an open design process um, and without anybody holding a patent over it. Um, and again, the same thing happened in a slightly different way, in a slightly smaller and more focused way in Newcastle in around 1800, when John Peacock worked with John Dunn. And we know more about that, I suppose, probably directly how that happened. Um, and one of the things John Peacock did once they'd refined the design of the five key chanter was released Peacock's tunes with the drawing of the chanter at the back and the scale and, uh, and a clear depiction of how the keys uh, were laid out. Um, and it struck me that that was almost like, you know, that influenced what we later did in releasing the, the pattern, the, the workshop plans yeah. in typing today. That was direct, directly influenced. And although it wasn't a workshop plan that Peacock published, um, it was, that was a direct influence on, on what we did there um well, and, and, and that, uh, that flavors throughout all your
0: work even the cover of the album good at good uh history of sleep is uh some kind of schematic i think that's maybe the the print and play one or, it is yeah
1: no that's the that is the version was the 3.5 and that's oh, it? It? drawn gotcha. by um that's drawn by zeshwan zeshwan chow ah, gotcha. um who, and it is the same it's actually the same schematic that is that was published in the Middle Pages of Piping Today in mm. 2019, in, in, in August. Um, and so that's that was the release, that was the kind of public release of the plans. Um, but then, you know, I reflected on what had happened to the Brian Boru, And I might be reading it all wrong, but the Brian Boru obviously was a patented project.
2: Yeah. And it just
1: seems to me that a keyed Highland bagpipe, maybe it wouldn't have taken hold. Or maybe it would have. Mm. But the fact that it was down to the one guy to make them all and maintain them all, or at least that's how it seems, uh, to me seems like it could only have restricted the progress. Because, you see, when you make a new instrument, when you extend the range of an existing instrument, you're not just bringing a new product to market to benefit your consumer, like you would be with a new bag or a new set of weeds or a new... you know what I mean? Or even a new design of Chanter. You're bringing something to market that your consumer can just trot in, buy, walk off with and experience a, 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 you know, a, a greatly improved playing life. Uh, when you create a new instrument, you're actually saying to whoever takes it up, you know, they, they're going to need to give it a large piece of their life. You're saying, you know, give me a piece of your your, 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 your brain here. You're going to have to learn how to live within this instrument. Just mm, yeah. in the same way that we do, uh, we learn to live within the pipes. So we first take them up and, and understand them from within. Well, this is a this is a completely, this is a much extended um, kind of world that you're you're learning to inhabit here. You're going to have to learn to understand it without any literature to help you 1st uh, first. Uh, although yeah. I'm working on that. You're going to have to explore it, uh, relate to it, and it's going to take away a lot of your time before you get. Uh, a great deal back musically, um, yeah. but it's also going to become something that's a part of you. Um, and I think that for that reason, new instruments that are released under patent that don't use the same playing system as ones that came before, um, you don't often hear of them taking hold very firmly. You know, usually, I mean, you know, when you think of mainstream instruments, the saxophone has to be the last one that. You know, really, is very widespread. Surely, his yeah. electric guitar uses the same system as the guitar that went before,
0: right? Um, sort of the 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 canon of sort of air quotes acceptable instruments is kind of an exclusive group, and it's kind of hard to break into that group.
1: Yes, and so for something new like this to succeed, obviously, it's addressing uh, a need that pipers. Playing in the Scottish piping, Scottish fingering system have, which is a desire to interact with folk music and other kinds of music more widely with a wider range without having to just bin their existing technique. Um, but it seems like, even with that, if it was one person's product, it would. Limits its it limits its availability. It limits the amount of support that's available. It limits the growth of the community. Mm. Um, it uh, it also encourages resistance from other makers. Encourages negativity within the community. All kinds of different reasons why mm. it doesn't really help. Um, and you know, if you took to doing something like this with purely a business plan in mind, I don't think you'd come to this kind of conclusion. It's it's very much not a business really at the end of the day it's a, it's a, it, it's it's um the chant itself is um you know it's a it's a musical work the same as an album or a tune
0: yeah um, and a kind of a living one too you know there, in that it you, you i you yeah. mean the innovation is ongoing
1: exactly um yeah one of the things i'm most pleased about from last year is that we got to the stage where we put the downloadable version out there and I think that's one kind of, you know, that, that's one kind of goal of mine um, now sorted, which was to make it available to anybody, on, on the assumption that three D printing is going to become pretty ubiquitous. I mean, you yeah. can now get printers for around about the hundred pound mark, and yeah. um, on the assumption it's going to become pretty ubiquitous. Yeah, if someone doesn't um, have one, one, they probably
0: are... know someone who does, or can get to a library that exactly. has one or something. Exactly.
1: Exactly, and they can they can get one printed. Um, I've printed four of them myself already,
0: and if any of my bandmates yes. want one, let me know.
1: <laughs> oh, do it! Yeah, excellent. This is the idea, and, and it means that then there's universal access theoretically, and uh, so the system can be evaluated and uh, the technique can be learned, um, and that in its that in its turn is going to support. There's one thing I was very conscious of with this. Was I didn't want to do something that would, and I don't think it would, but I didn't want to do something that would upset the ecosystem of pipe making because I know a lot of pipe makers and, and a great admiration yeah. for what they do. They're often hugely busy. They don't, they're not well remunerated. They do it for the love of it, um, and they work very hard. And uh, you know, I wanted this to be something that would, you know, take hold organically and could become something that you know, if they want to buy into this and learn to make it alongside border pipes and small pipes then that that's open to them and that support you know that supports the supports the chanter itself if people do that yeah um it all so it's all just very much the same as it is with the traditional designs of pipes uh, it, it's all part of a Kind of organic community,
0: and that's it's a really good system for for we the players as well. You know what what like some of the things that I absolutely love about this is like first of all I am I'm definitely one of those pipers who's just thirsty for a way to have sort of more range. You know I mean I, I hunted the internet for years to find a Brian Boru chanter. It's either hard to find or prohibitively expensive to get a hold of them. I try yeah you know cross fingering on my Highland pipes, but I'm at a very high altitude. It's very difficult to get it to work. And so then I look at Ilan pipes and I think, wow, they're beautiful. I'd love to learn them. But again, I have the the cost of getting a whole new instrument, a whole new system, and having to throw out my knowledge that I've built up over, you know, 15 years to play the Highland pipes where this Lindsay system, yeah, exactly. I mean, you you do make full sets of small pipes and they are beautiful. You know, people might hear printed small pipes and think that they'll be cheap and flimsy, but what you make looks really great. But aside from that, a person can get just this chanter and have their knowledge of the Highland pipe still be applicable and have their drones from any pipe maker, as far as I understand it. You know, I've got some Walsh small pipes and I've plugged in the printed Chanter into yeah. it. Sounds just great, you know, it just, it's a, it breaks down barriers for the, the player as well. Cost barriers and yeah. knowledge barriers. And that, I just can't tell you how much yeah. I appreciate that.
1: Yeah, exactly. And um, and when you mentioned the, you know, the, the quality end of, of 3D printed pipe making, That's another thing that I was very motivated to explore that as fully as I could. And one of the reasons that I was is that I recognized early on, there was a wee bit of chat about what's 3D printing going to mean for pipe making on, I remember on Bob Dunstar Forum at one point um, and online and so on, and speculation about what this would mean for pipe making and how would it affect pipe makers. And I thought, well, you know, it put me in mind of the whole thing where, you know, obviously in the 80s into the 90s, electronic music became a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, in Scottish traditional music and piping, we were lucky to have Martin Bennett come in and take a hold of the new technology and give it a shake and use it for something really profoundly, soundly rooted and, and, and deep um, and, and meaningful. Um, rather than just leave it to whoever came along to use it as a gimmick. Um, and, and that almost, is almost like he, by doing that, it's almost like he spiked the guns of anybody who might have wanted to come in and, 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 and do a gimmick of Scottish music with technology. Um, and so I kind of thought, I guess, you know, we can do the same thing with 3D printing. Just explore it absolutely, as, fully, as far as possible in the service of something that actually is extending the scope of the tradition
0: right not Um, replacing it just extending it expanding
1: yeah, yeah exactly and also by 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 folding it back into the you know as soon as i had the chance to work um in support of malin making the first wooden one i thought by folding it back in and making it clear that this in its own way is a prototype for something that can then be made using traditional means it's it's celebrating the idea that we can achieve new things through technology, while at the same time elevating the tradition and the craft skills of the makers who are making in, in wood and who are mm. making pipes in the traditional way. So there's lots of, you know, lots of different things going on there, um, and that's where the whole thing is. It's the, it, it, yeah, it's just it's it's all about all these dimensions. That's 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 what's all about for me. Yeah, um, and it's very very fun to um, to pursue and to, to see how it's all unfolded.
0: Well, I can uh, tell you for myself yeah. personally, like you making, well, you and uh, and uh, I, I, I'm i always afraid I'm going to mispronounce their name. Is it uh, Zeshuan? Zeshuan?
1: Zeshuan, yeah. Zeshuan Zeshuan Char.
0: So, so making uh, the, the who, two of you collaborating. Met... Oh, go ahead.
1: Yeah. When I met Zeshwan, it was, uh, Zeshwan contacted me on Instagram. Uh, we met for coffee in the Mitchell Library in Glasgow. Yeah. I can't even remember when that was, but it has to have been about 2016, I think. Um, shortly after, now Zeshwan at the time was studying at the Glasgow School of Art and had just finished uh, making, or was in the process of making, a 3D printed serpent, the Renaissance uh, curly trumpet. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. He's now uh, he's a background as a traditional uh, Chinese woodwind player. Um, and an artist, obviously, um, studying uh, studying at the art school in interaction design. Um, part of his area of interest there uh, was uh, machine learning, something that he's still very interested in. Um, but Zeshwan's just into so many different things, and uh, right away um, I thought this is a fascinating guy. I have to do more with him. Um, and uh, so he joined the small pipes group at the College of Piping as was which later got absorbed into the piping center, um, and was with us in that group and in the Glasgow Small Pipers for what must have been a couple of years before I left to come over to Ascension. And then at the same time, Zeshwan moved down to London to go to UCL and to do a master's. in uh, it, it's in, in the Small Pipes, basically, uh, investigating effective different materials and different design uh, concepts mm. on the sound of the instrument. Yeah. Part of the part of the project is, uh, is studying the Lindsay system, um, so it's brilliant and um, yeah, so that was that was the background to my, my getting involved in Zeshwan and on the fringes of the Glasgow Small Pipers and the weekly uh, small pipe class in the college, um, I was informally teaching Zeshwan you know everything that i gathered such as it was about using 3d printing to make pipes um and uh, you know so now we fire stuff back and forth uh on uh, messenger and uh, um you know really a lot of interesting conversations happen there yeah. we're also heavily involved in the the facebook groups um the i mean Zeshwan's one's uh, Zesh one's very active on social media much more more, much more than me, but um, uh, is a key member of the 3D Bagpipe and Whistle Builders group and the Lindsay System group, yeah. um, and yeah. just very involved in the project. Um, well, probably I don't... the most, most involved beside himself at the moment, but there are other guys as well who are very deeply into it.
0: Yeah, and I've I've been mostly a very very happy observer of all of this. I've I've certainly I've experimented yeah. with. Uh, I mean, I've printed off a set of your Highland pipes. Um, I printed off a set of your D small pipe drones. I printed a lot of whistles <laughs> and and just messing with the sizes of the parts too, just to see what keys I could get them into. You know,
1: um,
0: it's all a oh, lot yeah. of fun. And yeah, yeah. If you do, a, oh, go ahead.
1: A resize, yeah, we'll, yeah, yeah. We'll, resize. If you do it, a resize, yeah. uh, I think we talked about uh, maybe we talked about that. But yeah, if you resize them according to the ratio between the keynote frequencies, then you'll get something very interesting. Uh, yeah. wider bore as you go up the key as you go down the keys than you would have normally. But, but it still works and it's usually perfectly in tune.
2: Yeah, um, I've had really good so success very,
1: with
0: it and it's a lot of fun.
1: And I would yeah, totally. be a- like it's...
0: I'm sorry, I keep interrupting you. It's that delay. Sorry about that, oh, Donald.
1: No. Yeah, no, that's fine. A B flat or an A made by that way is very throaty and almost as wide bore, round about the same bore as a low D whistle would be. Um, and I've used them, um, I've used them in concerts. I'm pretty sure I've used them in concerts with uh, Alistair Roberts, the, the this massive big A. In fact, I think I put it on a record of his, mm. This big big A whistle made by resizing just according to the ratio. So almost basically as wide as a low whistle would be up an A. Yeah. Um, so that would be the kind of thing you'll be getting as well, they're really fun.
0: Yeah. And I just, I don't think that I, maybe I could be wrong, but speaking from a personal perspective, I don't think that you, your openness with these designs and with these ideas has in any way sort of hurt the commercial viability of the idea. Because for me personally, being able to play with these ideas is exactly what gets me even more excited about the work you're doing. And like printing off one of these printed by yeah. Chanters, they're excellent but it only makes me even more excited to purchase one of the you know system 5 chanters you know what i mean it's it's just yeah it's it's giving yeah, that's the thing. there's it's yeah. like there's tinder here to burn and the fire can only spread this fast if you let it you know and so you're not trapping the fire yeah. in any way and I, I really appreciate that personally just as a as a consumer and a player
1: yeah exactly i mean i think it can work that way as well and it's and it's all there for the kind of puzzling out whether or not i eventually uh, get deeper into making, Um, which if I did I would be edging into making in wood, I think um, as well, Um, but probably with 3D printed elements Um, or whether I go down the playing route and uh, let uh, for for example Zeshwan um, specialize more heavily in the making Uh, Mm -hmm. it depends on a lot of things but yeah, absolutely, I mean I think I'll always have uh, I'll always have a Something on the go in terms of making, you know, purely because I really like to the idea of coming up with a say I come up with one that's fully optical and so on and so forth. I'd like to share that with a few people um, and make, make a few of them. Um, just as being yeah. here, I had the bug to to share a few made out here and just um, uh, let a few people share in that kind of uh, side of things. Um, it, it's uh, whether or not it becomes a a major going concern or not is you know it's all it's all I th- I think I suspect probably not. I think it will always be just one part of what I'm up to. Um and uh you know I remember I remember talking to Finn Moore about this. He has this um kind of uh, thing where you know he does the pipe making but he doesn't want to get too busy with that because he enjoys doing the playing as well. Yeah. Um and uh that's I think that's part of it. If you are a maker and a player then the two things can be in conflict sometimes, um, and want too much of you. Uh, making certainly always wants a lot of you, sure, uh, yeah. even if you're making using three D printed parts. You know, it's still to get them right, to get them fine tuned, and everything and set up so you're satisfied. It wants a lot of you. It wants yeah. It's not you know, like you when, can when just that...
0: you can't just push a button and walk away and expect a top quality thing to come out.
1: Oh no, and 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 if you're and if you're anyway a perfectionist, then once it's put together. That, that, that then signals you know one day how many days two days three days four days how long has it gone <laughs> before you sit and you say to yourself look i really need to send this out now i've oh, played yeah. it enough i'm sure it's brilliant you know i'm sure it's brilliant um and uh, a little bit of that is the sort of alienation of letting go of the thing um where of saying oh goodbye to it but you know one, one of the things about having a this active community online is that i have this sort of sensation that if i make a pipe for somebody and i send it out i probably will meet it again down the line and hear them playing it ah, true
2: uh, enough, at yeah. some
1: point you know at some point i'll be i'll be out and about somewhere and, and they'll turn up or somebody will turn up with a set of pipes that i haven't seen in a while and i'll get to hear them i yeah. think that's one of the nice things about working in small pipe and bellow pipe making you know full stop is that you're you're so likely to encounter the things you've made uh, out in the field and uh, and sort of reconnect with what you're doing that way um which uh yeah it's uh, th- this this is all it's all it's all for me it's all interconnected yeah um and it's it's all part of a kind of a um a sort of a big community experience
0: had um, had i read but, early on donald that you your sort of day job was that you, that you were a plumber or am i remembering incorrectly
1: an, el- an electrician yes electrician, ah, electrician. that's right yeah yeah it was it Um, So until we left for Ascension, while we're out here, it is possible for me to work as an electrician out here as well. But uh, at the moment, um, what what, with one thing and another, um, we've decided that it's best if I focus on the books and things. Um, Yeah, that's right. You're working on uh, a book, aren't you? Yeah, Yeah, totally. So that's very kind of Hannah. She's quite quite into that. She was kind of in the backseat a little bit for a while, my wife Hannah professionally um, after our youngest was born. And so she's kind of uh, got back into her career now out here and uh, is uh, returning in favour, if you like. Um, so I'm, I'm focusing on some of the stuff that... Um, that uh, because I mean, When I look back over the last few years, going back to the 2014, I think I did achieve a hell of a lot.
0: Oh yeah uh, I mean
1: from where I'm sitting project. I'm like well
0: this guy must have just gone full time at this uh, this whole uh, Lindsay system instruments and recording and stuff because you I've, a lot of stuff has been produced
1: yeah totally I, I'm kind of flabbergasted because I never felt like I was doing really as much as I, as I could be um, but uh, but it was all happening all the same um, and now that I'm out here it's uh, you know I think there's gonna be a lot of things happening here. We're gonna stay another two years partly because of the state of uh, things back home um and the way things look this year. So we are going to be out here a little bit longer than planned. Yeah. Um so I think there will be there will be a lot more things. Um I mean I think most of the most of the ideas I've talked to you about tonight will probably be realities by the time we we take the final plane home. Yeah. Um and the book itself uh, you know the kind of the method. Um and hopefully a whole lot more besides recordings and all sorts of things like that.
0: Yeah. Well, Donald, you've, you've got a lot of work out there. I'm going to, in the show notes, I'm going to try to include links to at least samples of sort of all the different aspects of things you've done and things you're working on. Um, kind of a really? a final note here. I just I want to include this this little blurb that you wrote on your website where it says, if you're a piper, particularly if you understand something of the principles of acoustics as they apply to small pipes. All of this, the things that you and I have been talking about, about the Lindsay system chanter, it will sound too good to be true. Yes. And that's absolutely the case. Yeah. Like when I encountered it, I was like, this can't be really keyless, really that big of a range, uh-huh. really accidentals. This cannot be true. Like, how is this even possible? And I just, I would invite anybody listening yeah. to this who hasn't looked into it before, look into it. This will, your mind will explode with the possibilities that this opens up to you. And again, with so many barriers broken down, knowledge barriers, cost barriers, etc., cetera, it's very exciting.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you think so. And I'm uh, looking forward to seeing what uh, yeah, what transpires and who gets into it and what they do with it and, and where it goes. So It's very exciting. Yeah.
0: Now, now Don, cool. is, is there anything else that you'd enjoy uh, sort of talking about for people to hear about? Or do you feel like that's a pretty good, pretty good conversation to put together?
1: Yeah, I mean, I could give one or two signposts to things that they might look out for in the future. Um, we have already talked about the album that uh, I'm uh, hoping to work on with Alistair Roberts. Um, there's now I shouldn't say too much about this, but actually um, there is the potential, and I won't say exactly who this is, what direction this is coming from, or or what uh, organisation this is coming from at this stage because it's not been uh, uh, finally confirmed. But there's Understood, a possibility yeah. that. There might might be a little documentary about what I've been up to uh, oh, that'd while be I'm out here. Um which will be really cool. And uh that is um leading to possibly that that is connected to possibly also um uh another recording of a contrasting style because one of the wonderful things about this chantra is it opens up all these doors. Um and what I'll be doing with Alistair um in the traditional tunes recording that we had planned is really exploring and it's quite old school music if you like, oh, yeah. um, you know, even going into things like uh, the Caledonian Companion, um, and it will be small pipes and fingerstyle guitar, and so there's this other possibility coming forward through this documentary project but that might be the, the kind of kindling for a bigger album which is going to explore much more contemporary trad music um, on the Chanter, and cool. it's possibly going to have a kind of transatlantic element to it as well but i will not say too much mm. about that just now um yep uh so we may well be we may well may well be recording with musicians in um now at the moment uh it's possibly uh, uh one of the one of the guys i've talked to about is in tennessee um, really? and uh, some of the other musicians way back in Glasgow. um so what what comes of that i don't know but yeah there's all sorts of interesting possibilities and, Possible, possible recording projects and, and things like that that are going to be happening. Um,
0: that gets uh, me all kinds uh, yeah. of excited. I I love those projects. When it comes to you know Fred Morrison getting together with some Appalachian banjo players or you know these, there have been excited. a few books about that transatlantic crossing of music. Uh, Timothy Cummings gets in, gets into that. Uh, I I just love that stuff so, so much. Bridging that gap.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I love I love what both of the the, um, the artists you're talking about there. I love what they've done in that direction, yeah. um, and uh, and I'm very into the kind of uh, the kind of crossover there, um, and, uh, and and the kind of uh, things in common as well. Being a traditional singer as well, you know, um, and uh, very aware of the links there between Appalachian and, and Scottish and, and 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 sort of British Isles folk song more generally. Yeah. Um, I just, I really would love to explore that and, 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 and get, get kind of close to that. Um, yeah, no, that's great. Excellent. So that gives a, a few breadcrumbs for, for listeners to, to know what, what sort of thing might be coming next.
0: Yeah, perfect. I, I think, I'll, I think I'll, uh, I'll play us out to uh, one of the collaborations you did with the system, the, the version two of the chanter with some other instruments. I think some of them were playing your bass whistle as well. Excellent.
1: Um, Super. These from the videos lens from sessions. Yeah, I'll pull I'll pull the audio.